welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Uh, welcome this morning. Good to see each one. Glad you could uh, be in the service today with us to worship the Lord uh, together and to uh, sing His praises. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Eh? <clears throat> we are in Genesis chapter 30. This morning we're continuing the, the journey of um, Jacob. God's uh, working in his life. Genesis chapter 30. And the title, The Giver of Every Good Gift. Well, with the Christmas uh, season here, and uh, coming up quickly, uh, I'm sure uh, some of you have already been buying gifts and doing shopping for gifts, uh, probably mostly the, 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 the wives and the, the women taking care of that. I don't tend to do a whole lot of shopping, but uh, uh, used to, years ago, I would uh, do a, a little bit, yeah, like on Christmas Eve almost. <laughs> but I'm sure some of you have already, uh, well, underway, maybe, maybe have all taken care of, of that. But uh, most of you can relate to how difficult it can be sometimes to buy the right gift or a good gift for someone. I mean, you, you don't want to buy something that they just don't really want. Uh, I remember um, Sharon's going back to Sharon, mom, uh, Sharon's mom and dad's house and uh, finding uh, a gift that was, you know, still in the wrapper, <laughs> in the closet somewhere. They just uh, either forgot that they had it or <laughs> didn't need it or something. Uh, but that happens sometimes. And so some of you will probably just go the safe route and buy a gift card or something like that. Um, then Kelsey got back um, this week. So thankful the Lord blessed them and brought them back safely. And, and they brought back uh, Sharon and I a, a little, uh, some gift and... Um, Got Sharon this little bird feeder thing, and Kelsey wasn't sure if, if you know Sharon would like that, and I assured her she would, and uh, she did, and uh, got me a large bag of uh, dark chocolate. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just saying you can't go wrong with dark chocolate. You know, so <laughs> you never have to wonder. You know what what's good for me, but um, I want you to think about something this morning that all God's gifts are good and perfect. Uh, we, we may not always recognize them so, but they are. In James 1, verse 17, we read, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And of course, God's greatest gift was the gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came uh, to die for us and was buried and rose again. And uh, 
Most of us here this morning know him as our Savior, and we recognize him as, as God's great gift to us. But what may be surprising to, to you this morning is to realize that, that verse there in James 1 verse 17 is given in the context of trials that God had given. Just uh, the previous <clears throat> section in there in chapter 1, if you go back a little bit, in verse 2, and 2 to 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet with trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, Jacob, as we've been reading and, and uh, following his journey the Lord has taken him on, he has gone through a time of trials working for his uncle Laban. It's been 14 years uh, that he's been working, and if you'll remember, he, he worked um, really double the bride price for, uh, for, for a bride that he didn't want <laughs> because he was tricked. And then he had to do it all over again for the bride he did want. And so it has been, it's been a trying time, and, and we've learned about the nature of Laban as well. And Jacob wouldn't have considered um, most of that, uh, that experience as a gift from God. But God has been using this trial in his life to teach him to trust God. God had given Jacob, if you remember from last week's sermon, the sons that would become or the beginning of the nation of Israel. And now God is going to bless him with material prosperity, as he had promised. And although Jacob is doing everything he can to, um, in, in this next six years, he's, he's doing everything he can to increase his wealth, by the end of that time, he will come to the realization that it is God who has caused him to become wealthy and who has given him this prosperity. And this is the, the attitude that God wants us to have uh, about everything that we have, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. It is God who has given to us all of these things. And, and it's not only what he's given, but how he's given it that is perfect for us. And so that we, we trust this morning. And we want to go to the, this, the passage in chapter 30 and begin looking in verse 25. And we'll read uh, down through the, the end of the chapter as we, uh, as we see what God is, is doing here in Jacob's life. Verse 25, As soon as Rachel had born Joseph... Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go, uh, that I may go for you know the service that I have given to you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. And Jacob said to him, You yourselves know how I have served you and how your livestock have fared with me. 
for you have for you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly. The Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own house for, for my own household also? And he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything if you will do this for me. I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today. Remove from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages uh, with, with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. And Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But, the, but that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar among and almonds and plain trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. And he set it, the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flock in the troughs, that is, the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set, <clears throat> uh, set the faces of the flock towards the, the striped and all the, the black in the flock of Laban. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he put his own drove apart and did not put them uh, with Laban's flock. And whenever the, strong, the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for, but for the feeder, uh, the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys." Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we uh, look at this passage and we, we wonder, how does this really apply to me? How does this affect uh, my life? And I pray, Father, that we would see today the principle that you have for us here. You would help us to make the connection to our own life, our own situation, that we might learn to trust you. We might, might learn, Father, that our life is in your hands and we commit to you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jacob had paid off his debt to Laban, and he's ready to go home. But Laban really doesn't want him to leave because he knows that uh, he has prospered uh, because of Jacob. And we read there Jacob's words to him in verse 30 where he says, for you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? And so he, he recognizes this promise is 
true that God said that, that, that He would bless those who bless Him, speaking to Abraham and the covenant that had been given and that He had become heir of. And God had, had repeated this promise to him, you remember, those um, many years before in the dream. And so God is blessing Laban uh, because of Jacob. But God's not quite ready for Jacob to leave yet. He's going to use this circumstance of Jacob working for this ungodly Laban for another six years. And in that time, he's going to bless Jacob both with uh, the physical prosperity and blessings, but also with the spiritual growth that God wants him to continue to experience. And so in this text, we see we see Jacob's plan and Laban's deception. And if you've been with us in this series, you, you'll know that, that there's a play on Jacob's name, uh, which means the heel grabber. In other words, he, he will also earn this reputation of being a deceiver. So, somebody who uh, is looking out for their own interest, in other words. And Laban is even more so than Jacob. He's, he's found a master of, uh, of this kind of deception in Laban. And so Jacob here presents a plan to, uh, to Laban, and it's a, it's a fair plan. It's a plan so that um, knowing the nature of Laban, Jacob can, at the end of, of, the, of this time, uh, be able to clearly say, these belong to me because they're speckled and spotted and they have you know, this discoloration. And uh, evidently, the, it was, they, were the, they were the few. They were the exceptions of the flock. Evidently, it was a, it was a, a white flock or solid color so that um, uh, these speckled and spotted ones were like an anomaly. They, they were the, the, the minority of the sheep. And so, but, but he couldn't argue they belonged to him because of their color. And so uh, Jacob has presented this, um, this plan, this work uh, like a contract. And Laban is quick to accept it. You can see in the wording there, he, he doesn't haggle. He just quickly accepts the deal, thinking that it's a good deal for him because uh, there's very few um, of those born of that kind. And uh, just, but just to make sure, uh, he after, as soon as they make the deal, he sends his son, go get all the speckled and spotted ones and take them a three days journey away and keep them separated from, uh, from the herd uh, just to make sure that he doesn't uh, prosper too much with uh, this deal. And so Laban is uh, striking again, so to speak. He's uh, doing his thing. Uh, and he, no doubt, is very proud of himself for being so clever to get the best of, um, of Jacob again and that he can continue working for him. Well, we don't hear anything from Jacob about this, uh, about this deception, but he begins working right away with his own counter-strike, his own plan. And uh, he, you see him in, these, in this description here, he's employing some basic uh, selective breeding that, uh, that, that is uh, no doubt helpful uh, to uh, strengthen his flock. That's his goal. He, he wants to build up. Uh, those animals that are speckled and spotted. 
And, and you see him also making this effort to increase the conception of his flock by peeling this bark from the branches and uh, putting those in the watering trough. And there's some different speculations about this, but I see this as just Jacob following some, you know, superstitious ideas that were common to the time. It's much like the, the mandrakes that Leah and Rachel thought would help them bear children. It's kind of like the, the farmer's version of the old wives' tales, right? We could say it's an old farmer's tales, couldn't we? <laughs> now, you've probably never heard of any of those, but uh, anyway, it's it's very common. Um, it's kind of like the the women that were, you know, sitting around talking talking together about childbirth. And and the the one woman said, the day my daughter, uh, sorry, the day my daughter was conceived, I was painting with red paint. And a red fire engine came by, and I spilled the red paint all over the place. And sure enough, when my daughter was born, she had red hair. <laughs> well, there's one of the women in the group said, that's ridiculous. Said, my, my mother told me that the day I was conceived, she dropped a whole stack of vinyl records, and they broke. And when, and, and I was born, and it... It didn't affect me, affect me, affect me. <laughs> well, such, such is the nature of uh, superstition, right? Then and now. And we hear plenty of, of those kind of things today. But the main point that we want to, uh, to see here is that everything that we receive comes from God. And the main point in this section is that despite Jacob's efforts to increase his flock by wealth, uh, flocked and wealth, it was God. It was God behind the scenes causing the flock to multiply. And he, and he was doing that in spite of, um, in spite of Laban's efforts to, to trick him, in spite of Jacob's um, cleverness and trying to, uh, trying to increase his... Uh, his wealth. And he did uh, greatly in increase. Uh, verse 43 says, Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. The inclusion there of the, of the camels would indicate um, very wealthy. And uh, it's similar to, to statements that we read about Abraham and also Isaac and God's blessing them, just as he had committed to do in the, in the covenant that he'd given to them, the promise that he'd given to them. And we see that Jacob is learning that although Laban is, is trying to take advantage of him, God is intervening on his behalf to bless him, just as he had promised back those... Um, uh, uh, 14 years before there at Bethel when he appeared to him in the dream and uh, at the uh, at the end of this uh, at end of this time it's been 20 years and now God is going to appear to him again in a dream and he's going to tell Jacob that it's time to go home and uh, God promises again that he's going to be with him and he shows Jacob 
that the reason that he has prospered is not because he has been so clever, but because God was working behind the scenes to bless him. And so let's read there beginning in verse uh, chapter 31. And we'll see this uh, Jacob coming to that realization. Uh, chapter 31, verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flocks was, and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my fathers has been with me. You know that, uh, that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and has changed my wages ten times. But God did not per permit him to harm me. And if I said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the uh, flock bore spotted. And if he said the stripes shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And in the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a, in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and molted. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said to him, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and molted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion of inheritance left to us in our father's house? And are, are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has indeed devoured our money. And the wealth that God has taken uh, away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. Well, we do see some positive uh, change here in Jacob in his thinking. He seems to be leading his family. He's openly giving God the credit. Whereas, you know, before he's, um, uh, he, he's trying to manipulate the situation. Now he's recognizing that it's God that has uh, intervened for him, and he's and he's seeking to lead his wives to also trust God, to obey God. We've seen we've seen in Jacob's life up until now that his his whole life was trying to get the upper hand on others. Uh, he's trying to prosper by by taking the heels, so to speak. When in reality, what he needed to do was to take hold of God's hand and to follow him and trust him. And that is uh, that is what God is would would have us do is to look to him in faith, turn to him 
believing and, and trust him. Take hold of his hand. There's many cases, many circumstances that happen in our lives where we try to take hold of the circumstance. And it is right that we put, put our hand to, 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 to labor and to do what we can do and to work. But at the same time, we must be trusting God in that process and, and to ask God for his blessing. And so that when he does bless, we can recognize that it's God who has blessed us and not be proud of our own accomplishment, our own, our own wealth or our, our own success and whatever we're trying to do, but that we can look to God and, and know that it's because He is God and He has blessed that uh, we were able to be successful. If you have turned to Christ in faith, believing that He died to pay your sin debt, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day in victory. The, the, the scripture describes you as someone who is in Christ. In other words, you belong to Christ. You have a, a relationship with him. That, that phrase identifies who you are as being in Christ. And as believers, we belong to Christ. And if we belong to Christ, then everything that we have belongs to Christ, right? We mustn't think that you know this part we hold on to and this part we give to God. No, it all belongs to God, and we we are are, are tasked to to be managers, to be custodians of what God has given us, and so we we are called to to honor Him and to give Him praise with all that we have, with all that we are. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father for this truth this morning. I pray that you would uh, bring it home to our lives, whatever our situation is, whatever our circumstance is, Father, that, uh, that you would help us to acknowledge that and not, not think that, um, uh, that we are clever and that because we're clever or because we've worked hard or any of those things that uh, we have what we have. But Lord, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy that uh, you enabled us to be able to work and you blessed us to have a job and that you've blessed us to have success in any endeavor that we may, uh, we may try to uh, succeed in. And so, Father, we come before you as your people, people that belong to you, people that have been saved by your grace. And we offer ourselves to you afresh and anew, Lord, that uh, you might use us for your honor and for your glory. And I pray that um, our lives might be, uh, might be a demonstration of that principle that we see here in Jacob, that, um, that you are there blessing and working in our lives, even through trials and, and difficulties, you're there gifting us with every good and perfect gift. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.